When the credits start rolling, but the movie keeps haunting you. Before, after. Then it's time to tune in to Dismembering Horror. We'll talk about what worked and also what didn't. We'll dissect every aspect. Maybe someone we shouldn't. He turned out to be a completely unreliable asshole. Take it away, boys. Hi, Tim. Hi, Ryan. We finally made it. (laughs) And hello, everyone listening. There was a a fire in the Dismembering Horror offices, and it's just been a lot to recover from Mm -hmm. poltergeist in the machines. Anyway, we're happy to be here, though. Still, we're very happy to have you here watching or listening. Welcome to episode 207 of Dismembering Horror, where we will be giving our now-patented dismemberment to men a relatively new film that we had been wanting to see and had missed until recently. Number three for the Alex Garland. New Alex Garland joint. Not counting that one back there as far as writing credits go. Oh, is that really? He wrote He wrote the first one, the 28 Days Later? Mm-hmm. Huh. That's cool. It is. I didn't know that. So, Tim, uh, we always got to catch up on anything we got to catch up on before we dive into our film here, if we do have anything to catch up on, which today we do. We do? So, today of all days, when I get here, Tim tells me that our beloved Eliza Dushku autographed (laughs) photo, which normally hangs there, fell and broke. It did. At least the frame broke. It's so in that, many pieces. While that in itself is newsworthy, here she is. Today of all days that that should happen is really funny, Tim, or something or other, because today is the 20th anniversary of the release of the original Wrong Turn. That's... um. Scary. <laughs> so I came all prepared to like oh, highlight. Oh no! To highlight our picture, Jesus. hoping she would be up there hanging. But well, shit. So I so, now you get to hold her instead. <laughs> hold, hold Eliza close. Yeah. <sighs> okay. So now on to men. Yeah. And appropriately enough, uh, we yeah. have. Oh, thanks. Here, have some more douche <laughs> We've got uh we've got two men to talk about men today. <laughs> yes. Appropriately or, or not appropriately enough. I don't know. I saw some really wild commentary from audience members or going moviegoers. Through, going through letterboxed and rotten tomatoes and the all letterboxed that. like just I I don't even want to get into it really. But well, there's this like double reversal of like how people are viewing this movie that I think is completely unhinged. I'm very uh, curious and excited to talk about this film with you today, Tim. I'll say that Great. much. My story is, yeah, well, let's get into it. Let's, before we go further, watch the trailer as we like to do. Oh, okay. Yeah. Let's yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah. You ready? All right. So here we are <laughs> from 2022, I want to say. Uh, from Alex Garland, writer-director, Men. Hello. 
Marlowe. Hi. Mrs. Marlowe, yes? Harper, yes. Do, come in. The words I have to say. It's a beautiful house. Will it just be you staying, or...? Excuse me? Mrs. Marlowe? No. Until you give your love, there's nothing more that we can do. Apple from the garden? Yeah, it was delicious. No, 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 no. Mustn't do that. Forbidden fruit. Oh, God, sorry, I... I I'm I, joking. I... Oh. Tormented. It feels more like... Haunted. Yeah. Something happened. My husband went upstairs to our balcony and let himself go. You must wonder why you drove him to it. Why? I didn't drive him to it. I thought it'd be true. But if you had given him the chance to apologise... He'd still be alive. What? Per our rating system, would we tell ourselves to avoid stream, rent, or buy men? <laughs> uh, I'd buy it. I know. You know. It just is. I saw your letterbox rating. Yeah. It's, it's for me. I don't know. Maybe it's not for the people who are so mad about it. <laughs> I don't agree with them at all. <laughs> I said to Britt while we were watching, I was like, have people just, because I was like looking at letterbox reviews while we were watching it. And I was like, have, do people just, do they not know what like symbolism, allegory, metaphor, like do they not know what those things are anymore? Mm -hmm. have, have we like collectively as a species stopped learning about those things we may have been reading different reviews i brought some and those good were, i, I those hope you found good ones because <laughs> I, I was i couldn't keep looking at the ones that i was seeing you i mean was like helpful negative reviews when you say good ones is that what you meant sure okay. i mean po positive <laughs> in the sense that they're not just like unhinged like alex garland is a piece of shit misogynist <laughs> It's like... <laughs> I tried to find ones huh? that were more interesting than that to, well, are you ready for my I'm rating? ready, I'm ready. Okay. I'm, I, there'll be more ranting, I'm sure. To help gather my feelings. I, uh, it was a, a funny experience, Tim. I was going on Letterboxd, honestly, just to figure out if I even wanted to heart it or not. And I saw your five stars. I'm like, man, I... I settled on, like, it's fine, I guess. Some things I really, really liked. Mm -hmm. But just the bones aren't solid for me. Okay. Um, I think all the stuff about uh, about the, the gender-related stuff that maybe mm -hmm. is more inflammatory, it doesn't really have to do with that for me, my, my enjoyment of it. It's just more like Alex Garland is kind of, I don't know, he's like a Denis Villeneuve for me where... I love Dune, but everything up until that, it was just, it's just like, I just can't get into it. I just can't. Like... So we're, we're the opposite then mm -hmm. because I didn't love Dune mm. and I think it's, it's got a bunch of problems that 
well, that's irrelevant. <laughs> but everything from before Dune of his, I absolutely love. It's and so it's, it's a style, right? Thing. I it's mean, weird because sensibility. This is what I'm really excited to talk about. Yeah, sensibility may be better than style, but it's just about like plugging into the world. I think, or just mm-hmm. it's the difference between you take a still frame, and I'll pick something I know we both love. Sure. Um, the <laughs> under the skin. You just take a take a take a second of that film and put it on, and I'm like, whoa, I'm here now. Okay, I just don't don't really feel that with like Alex Garland's films thus far. Ex Machina, I think, was a simple really? enough story. I like plugged into it. I've just seen it once, but that's kind of how I felt with the pre Dune Villeneuve films. Um, mm. I don't know. So maybe that's my overarching reaction. So it was like, honestly, the the first chunk of the movie i was felt good saying a stream but for the last chunk for some fun horror things i'll even though it doesn't i don't know if i liked it enough to have that connotation that the rent it rating has taken on for us i would still technically give it that so i'll say because I'm here with you and you really liked it. I want to say say rent. <laughs> I mean, you're allowed to not be swayed by me. I want to. Okay. I, I want to love everything, Tim. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Um, but I loved this. So what are you going to do? I want to hear all about why. All and right. we'll hear some about why I didn't. And all of the above. All right. Yes. So uh, how about a quick summary to kind of set us all on the same page here, set the stage? All right. I can do it super quick. Ready? Here we go. Harper, husband, killed himself slash maybe accidental death, but probably killed himself after they had, uh, after she told him that they, um, that she didn't want to be with him anymore. Um. She takes a two-week vacation in the countryside to, who knows, decompress, get her mind off things, have a nice quiet time in the country by herself. She rents a, a Airbnb, this old sort of, what would you call that? Manor? It's, mm, they, it's a little I, smaller than a manor. They use some word like that. It was yeah. manor-esque. Right. <laughs> but it's really nice. It's it's lovely and it's been around for like 600 years or something like that, at least <laughs> parts of it um the person who owns the house is sort of a country bumpkin guy awkward joffrey joffrey jeffrey and then very quickly we harper uh realizes that she's feeling unsafe for two reasons one there she encounters a guy living out in the woods who's naked and he kind of follows her back to this place she mysteriously almost summons him it feels you could say that sure that's a that's a take i'm into it um he also looks exactly well he's played by the same actor as joffrey as as are all of the men in this film except for her deceased which depending ex. on one's uh inclina- uh not inclinations just depending on one they may or may not notice for quite a while <laughs> why was that your experience yeah. oh my god i was just like why does that teenage boy look deep faked like what is going on okay fair 
Did you do mushrooms before you watched this? I almost wish I had. It would probably be like my new favorite movie, but <laughs> I could see that. Okay, so yeah, things start to get unpleasant for her. She feels like she's being stalked. The police aren't really taking it seriously enough for her taste. The town is there really seem to be no other women in the town other than one constable police officer who's the only person who's sort of nice to her. Yeah. Um and she starts to sort of unravel with her experience there. Uh that culminates with all of the versions of this guy essentially showing up at her house and trying to break in. Um, It's unclear if this is allegorical in spirit and that these are things happening inside her head or, um, or outside and it doesn't matter. It's just a metaphor for her experience. Either way, she fights off the various versions of this dude. Uh, And that leads to a very intense climactic birthing sequence, which is hard to describe, but we'll, we'll explain later. And it's a Russian doll birthing. There you go. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. And, um, we kind of get to the point where she has to face her or, or, come to terms with her feelings of guilt over how her husband, ex-husband, whatever you want to call him, uh, died. And we, and these things are kind of overlaid onto each other, like the imagery of how he died, you come to realize, is what she's doing in her defense toward these attackers. Uh, she's inflicting very similar wounds upon them as as how he died. Um, and then it ends. <laughs> and Kinda. then it ends. Which is cool, too. The friend doesn't show up, right? The friend does... No, wait. I just kept yes. wanting her to show up amongst no, all No, she the... doesn't. You're right. She doesn't. I just... Can you imagine her showing up in the middle of all that? I kept thinking they were going to do that thing, and I was like, oh, please don't do that thing where the friend shows up and and Harper doesn't know it's her and kills her by accident, mm-hmm. which is... It's weird because I've had that feeling in a number of films, being like, oh, please don't do that. Oh, God, they're going to do it. And then they don't. But in my memory of those films, I'm like... If I watch them a second time, I'm like, ugh, they're going to do that thing. <laughs> and then it doesn't happen. I'm like, oh, yeah, they didn't do the thing that I thought they were going to do. So I can't even think of a movie where it actually happens. I can't right now. I just think it was just she was. Somebody got a pitchfork. You know, in some movie I watched, somebody got a pitchfork. Sounds about right. And I don't know what. I can't remember what it's from. Um, She was just, the, the friend was so disconnected from the world that then had settled in the evil uh, craziness. Yeah. I just wanted her to show up. I thought it would be funny. Okay. Not important. Let's talk about what worked. I think we're ready. Anything else? Sure. All right. Great. Here we go then. First big section. What worked? What worked? What worked for you? What worked for you? It worked like a charm. What worked? What worked? We always just got to get the actors out of the way. She was great. Jesse Buckley as Harper Marlowe. 
Yeah. And Rory Kinnear as Jeffrey and the numerous men in the village. Yeah, they. it's cool to watch. I mean, really, this movie is a two-hander. I mean, there are other characters. There's a couple other characters. But, like, for the most part, these two are carrying the whole movie. Yeah. And I like that. I like that kind of contained thing. Yeah, it's like a ramping up of their energies. Yeah. You know? It's cool. It feels... Look, I think a lot... Like, I'll just get it out there. I think a lot of people are reading too much and, like, trying to pick apart a very simple allegorical tale. And so... What works for me and why I'm not bothered by any of it and why I quite like most of it is that this feels like a myth telling, right? It's got a lot of folklore symbology in it um, or symbolism in it. It's got a very simple like, uh, what do you call that? Sort of cautionary tale style like, can this person come to terms with a very simple emotion of, of, of guilt? And then it has this overarching social commentary about how many people ex- walk through life and how that affects them. That's it. It's, it's quite simple. And so, like, everything is pointing at those things. Her guilt and her experience in the world as a woman. That's it. Um, So for me, everything that supports those two very simple things is appealing. I mean, I think they've that Garland has done a good job at emphasizing and finding ways to eerily put us in that space. Um, I get it if people want to be like, well, a dude doesn't really know, so how can he comment on it I, I don't know how to answer that he we can we can imagine i think that's the most surface level attempt to read something that's what i i mean that's what bothers me so much about some of the commentary about it but like i also like it and it's really appealing to me because i as well have written a movie that's specifically based on what i've been told by women in my life and outside of my life, like reading about it and how they explain how they have to behave and the things they have to think about while walking through a largely patriarchal and largely misogynistic world. They are always at the um, risk of, of being attacked by dudes That's just a fact of their existence. Some people want to say that's not true. I don't know. I mean, all the people I've talked to say that is their experience. I don't think you can tell them it's not, right? If you haven't had that experience, fucking good for you. Congratulations. I really don't know who you're, who who would disagree with that. I don't know who these people are. I was shot. I mean, I've, the number of people I came across being like, this isn't how it is. Like, and I'm saying there are women saying that as well as men saying that. They're dismissing what w- other women are saying is their experience in the world. Okay. Like, I, I don't know how you can go there, but f- for 
just okay whatever just for whatever i i did not feel that was any overwhelming discourse on really because that was I almost immediately what i ran headfirst into and was like oh my god okay so be that as it may like i am interested in telling those stories and so to see other filmmakers also telling those stories men or women it, it like i think if you can tell the story that's the goal like that's I, like i don't know why you criticize who the teller is i mean we could that you can get into the murkiness of that i i don't really want to but like for another day um but like i'm more interested in those stories right now because that's important to me like having those voices out there or at least the stories being depicted about those experiences and like it was fun for me to watch this movie and see what a feature version of this, this uh, you know, focus on this topic looks like from another filmmaker. Mine was a short and it was a super low budget short. So, you know, limitations are there. But I love how far this goes into the kind of like almost graphic insanity you know, like I, anything where you can kind of just like take the, what's it called? Like the the limiter or whatever you would call it off of something and be like, yeah, if if we want to talk about the, the patriarchal sort of viewpoint on women's roles and reducing them singularly to just a birthing utility and then in a movie depict a... <laughs> like like you said a, a russian doll sequence of birthings of the same man over and over again out of the same bodies from different spots on their body it's this perversion of this thing in the first place i'm i'm all about it <laughs> like yes please get weird go like it's not arbitrarily weird either it's symbolically weird. And I think that that kind of stuff is really exciting. Like had I had the budget and the time and the the scope that I wanted in my film, there would have been all sorts of weird tentacly, like like oozy monstery shit going on in my Well, there's a market for that, Tim. I'm down. Uh, well, hey, <laughs> don't, don't, we all know about it. But I just mean like the more Cronenbergy or the more, I you know, I think it gets thrown around too much now, but for the sake of us understanding what we're talking about, the Lovecraftian vibe of of that stuff is awesome. And I think Alex Garland is doing his version of that, like living. So rather than being derivative of those things, he's taking, I think, what he likes about the essence of why other people like those things and doing his own with it. Annihilation is often cited among, like when people ask what's good cosmic horror these days, you usually see a lot of people suggest yeah. that. Yeah. So I like, I, I guess you could, yeah, you could say that Ex Machina is sort of sci-fi horror and Annihilation is, is cosmic horror. And this I would call more folk horror. Yeah. Which I like, there's so much good folk horror out there and it's, it is a 
genre or subgenre into a, into a, itself. So like I I love that that's a thing that's out there, right? Like there's a really good documentary about folk horror. I'll look it up and and maybe I'll recommend it. But it talks about all of this stuff and and like the the history uh, uh, in film that that's, revolves around that kind of that's shit. that like woodland something mm-hmm. or other it's called yeah it's like i always want to watch it but uh, i want to see all the other films first um i can say that aspect is definitely what worked most for me was just the fun of being able to read it under the context of like the green man folk story which right. I know you and I are both big fans of Hellier, which Tim and I both recommend. Have you not seen? But that gets into Green Man mythology. Yeah. And so that's where I said it was almost as if she summoned him or like her. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Called him. And then oh, and then man. just the imagery of the the leaves putting in the um putting in the the cut his open sores. Yep. And then just by that last chunk taking on this sort of inhuman quality and just his gaze obviously the bot his body the body horror aspect yep. but just where it felt like all out just being confronted by a mythical uh does not mean you well um <laughs> yeah. entity yeah I, but that and, was great i love that and that yeah, yeah that's the thing is like that's what i like about sort of allegory or you know, folk tale style stuff like, uh, um, you know, grim fairy tale st- style where like the original ones are incredibly graphic. Anyway, so the thing that I think is really cool about that is that it's not just it's it's layering a lot of those types of stories, the sort of cautionary tale or the just the fairy tale almost aspect of it where it's like it's pretty grim uh and adding deeper like religious uh overtones so like that opening sequence where she takes an apple from the tree and that that tree becomes sort of the place the garden so to speak where a lot of stuff goes down um the almost inherent uh patriarchal construct of a lot of religion or where religion has, you know, sort of moved to and how it's, it's interpreted. Uh, I think those overtones are really cool too. And having the green man be this, you know, it's a, the green man is, is a, what's the term for it? Uh, like a elemental sort of figure that has both, male and kind of female components to it, uh, which I think is really cool to use as like this thing that we get to eventually. We get to see, like you said, she sort of summons him inadvertently too, which it's hard for me to stay on one track because there's so much going on. Like I look at her summoning him as a, you know, you can look th- look at that through the lens of she's at fault, which is the same idea. I mean, this just happened. There was like a, a, a teenager in Vegas 
raped a girl in front of a bunch of other people and they like cheered him on. And then the commentary is, well, she was asking for it. She wore, you know, an outfit that was, you know, tempting to him. Like it's this victim blaming bullshit that goes on so much. And so like in the movie with the vicar. Exactly. Like it's there. Almost every scene is layering in these things that happen to women that we know exist and that women are kind of tired of, kind of tired of, obviously tired of. But now we've started to have the conversation actually and more people are aware of it, I think, and just more voices are out there like reminding everybody, yeah, hey, just so you know, these are norms that are really fucked up and they exist. And like, so... Having that stuff constantly layered in and reinforced by all of the men in the film and then having her do things that – I think this is why I I kind of understand – I don't agree with, but I understand how certain people could watch the movie and be like, this is misogynistic because it's depicting a woman in grief – doing things that she should know better not to do. And I'm like, well, if, you, if you're if you mad about the movie do, showing that, you have missed, I think, the larger point of the movie. I don't think I saw any of those takes. Oh, man, I saw so many, and it just drove me nuts. Anyway, so good. I'm glad you avoided those. So I, for me... Those are the things that work. Like I, I, I'm so into, in the same way that like uh, Nope does it with race. Like I love how every scene and every moment and every move is speaking to that, and the design is wrapped up in it. Um, the red painted walls of the inside of the entryway of the house feel very evocative, right? Like I, I think there's a lot of different ways you could interpret it, but like anytime you have a doorway moving into a red space, at at the very least surface level wise, I think you could take away that that's, that's sort of a um, an indication of looming danger, right? Or carnality, which carnality. then has the association with masculinity and then therefore men. Totally. I mean, you could look all, there's or a lot of like, sorry, that was, that jump to carnality and masculinity is not exact or. Right, but, but yeah, <laughs> I know what you mean. And like, but you see these other symbols and visual like things like the, the tunnel itself, right? Like the tunnel and the, and the, you know, the vaginal canal sort of, uh, relationship that we we can jump to pretty quickly as a as a reference or or a symbol of that, um, and her, you know, there's just a, a I think it's a very well thought out, exciting and both moving and interesting, fun and dark depiction of a person's experience in trying to come to terms with their own guilt as a person and as a woman in our world. And I just, I don't know, that kind of story is exciting to me. I want to watch that stuff and to have somebody with like Alex Garland who has such a interesting visual sensibility and um, I guess just like symbolic 
I don't know what a better term for it would be that like kind of encapsulates what he does, but I just really like the visual construct that he is able to create in all of his movies. I didn't even like Annihilation that much. Like I like parts of it, but as, as a story, I wasn't super into it, but like I visually, it's awesome as well. So there's something he's doing that I, I, you know, I'm into. Cool. Well, you said a lot in there. So, I know. <laughs> uh, to touch on, uh, I was trying to keep track of things you said in there. I wanted to touch on the one that's coming to mind uh, when you mentioned the institutionalized religion. I And then coming off of what I said, the main thing that worked for me, just the idea of these folk creatures, mm-hmm. mythical creatures. I love any time those ideas can intersect. Right. Because when we think of, you know, Catholicism, it's almost like raised on it and with it. And, you know, it's it's sordid history and all that. There's an easy connotation to just sort of put it in the lines of just the institutional side. Mm-hmm. When really, like all religion, its roots are just sort of probably the most mainstream connection to what we have that is mythical mystical even supernatural mm-hmm. you know it's watched <laughs> i don't know watch any what uh, history channel shows nowadays <laughs> yeah. you know yep um so just to have that little bit of crossover i thought was really fun where anytime you did have the green man symbology showing up in in some of uh the 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 what do you call those glass things? oh like uh, the stained glass yeah stained glass so, yeah. so just that intersection I thought it was really fun. Well, and and to be clear, just if everybody's wondering, the 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 one of the main components of the Green Man is this idea of rebirth. Yeah. So of course that makes sense. Like in every movie, you want your main character to experience some sort of change, or in an extreme case, a rebirth of who they are. Like that's a kind of an essential. Not always essential, but a big part of like seeing a character progress, getting to see them come to be a changed person. And one way you can describe that or depict that is through this idea or lens of rebirth. It's wasn't in Hellier they described that Pan is a depiction of Green Man. Oh God, I don't remember, but wasn't that the whole thing they were getting into which was it pan which they they definitely talk about pan too i thought i i'm pretty sure it was in the context of like well he's a forest he pan is i don't think they (laughs) they, uh kind of a forest nymph style okay character which okay so if Supposing there's any truth to that uh that that connection i think that is a fun interesting one because the the bad guy, the entity, the creature, whatever you want to call it in this, it's not like it's just out to get her. It's not just like a slasher, like trying just to kill her as quickly as possible. No. It definitely has a threatening aura. It does not mean her well, but where I think, I, I think kind of it has that little bit of panish or puckish energy as mm-hmm. far as that little bit of tricksterism of like, yeah, I mean, you know, could bring up the, the the highlight of the film for me at least the pulling out of the hand uh, from <laughs> Dude, from so... the mail slot, thereby uh, slicing their own 
you know, arm and hand in two. So it's like these dangling half, this dangling half of a hand there. But it's that kind of thing where it's just like this, this manic sort of unpredictable, clearly it's out to do more than just do physical harm. It's really about getting under your psyche in a a disturbing way. So I love that about it. And why I say that was maybe the highlight for me, um, not the not the birthings of birthings. Visually, that was really really cool. <laughs> but I something about that I thought was I, it was I firing. Don't disagree. On, it was firing on all the cylinders as far as horror imagery, yeah. um, which then carries over and is just great how it monsterifies him, just like totally. almost like the thing. But really, really, what put it over the top as my favorite uh, bit of the film was that's where everything I wanted was firing on all cylinders, including the, um, I guess, ideas or thematic aspects where it just felt like a perfect visual representation of everything that, you know, you were saying the, the, the men are saying where Mm -hmm. it's like, even though he's, he's the one who pulled it technically, she's the one who technically initiated the situation as far as the actual stabbing she did the act of stabbing but he initiated by putting his hand through the slot but he interprets that as some sort of blame on her and specifically when he pulls his hand through as if it's like why are you doing this to me look what you yeah exactly (laughs) look what you're doing to me and i love just how much is like wrapped up in that that you can kind of you can peel apart if you want to you can This is what, to me, really good horror does. And we've talked about this a number of times when it's good horror. You could just watch this and be like, this is a home invasion movie. Yeah. And and leave it at that. It's it's a home invasion movie that gets very strange and and freaky. Okay. Like that moment in and of itself is a great moment in terms of horror. Some guys outside trying to get in. There's somebody who's trying to defend themselves from that. And we get this gruesome moment. And and it can live just as that. But if you feel like it and you want to peel it back a little bit more, like what you're saying, there's so much wrapped up in there. Symbolically, the act of insertion, right? Like he is inserting his hand. There you can you can make the analogy to a rape in that. Which sense, was right? Like highlighted by the shot where it tracks above the hand going through, which was totally. great. Totally. I mean, that's a beautiful shot, right? And then the bisecting of that appendage, right? I think you can start to peel that back a little bit and look deeper into what that could mean. And like, is that sort of pointing at the the bisecting of gender, right? That like I don't mean to get too like like esoteric or whatever about it, but we are of two halves, right? Like we are made of two people. All people are made from two people, right? And so this appendage being split in two has sort of some weird feeling to me that starts to get me going – what does that mean? Like, it just feels like it means something deeper. And I don't even necessarily know what that is, but there's something in there that's evocative to me going, oh, weird. And then when you see that uh, bisected appendage on all of the other versions of men, you start to go, holy shit. Like, there's, they're all 
it's it's either all in her head or this is all just one big symbol for the experience. Uh, leading up to the, it's the, the vicar, right, is the one who gets her in the bathroom, tries to actually rape her. Mm-hmm. He gets stabbed much in the same region as as Jesus getting stabbed by the Roman spear, right? So there's all these just, to me, there's just, it's all built in and I, into just symbol. Um, and then he uses the one hand to split and hold her around her neck, right? So his the split hand is is going around yeah, her neck. Great. Like things like that just they all just lead me to feel like it has deeper meaning even if I can't quite discern what that deeper meaning is. I'm getting I don't know. It's getting a rise out of me in a very good way. I will say that the hand stuff was doing that for me too. But I think it's purposeful. I mean, I I mean, think it's purposeful. It's 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 very clearly purposeful. And I think what's cool about this type of storytelling is that the purposefulness is kind of open, left in an open way for interpretation. And that's exciting to me because like Alex Garland may have had a very specific intention of what those things mean, but I think that there's almost a universal symbolic nature to a lot of those things that like you can you can come to it can mean multiple things for you the viewer and i like like i think that's exciting can i tell you my favorite moment yeah so that maybe favorite idea or just sort of more th- thing that's more than a moment was the hand my favorite moment and this actually connects to what i was tying to as far as there's a certain manic and energy behind the 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 green man the entity our bad guy here but it's when he steals the car, not to steal it, but just to like a madman <laughs> yeah. drive at full speed back at right, her. Right. Just the fact that he does that at all. But then what made it my favorite moment was so quick. You could almost call an insert shot of him in Jeffrey uh, mode uh, driving the car. Just just as just a madman. Right. It's I just loved that. That's just had a great, fun, manic energy with that actor. Just so just looked the part in that moment. Um, and just, I just thought it was a wonderfully yeah. gleeful, gleeful bit of horror. Yeah. I mean, what this makes this all. I, I'm, I'm maybe uniquely, not super uniquely, but. Not everybody has been a bartender, <laughs> right? And so Tim has stories, everyone. Right. So I've spent n- a number of years being surrounded by people in sort of like not the greatest state. <laughs> <laughs> and political of you. By Politician. and large. Yeah, exactly. I'm trying to be diplomatic here. Not really. Because <laughs> of course, what I'm about to say, people would be like, fuck you. Most of the people at bars, majority of the people at bars are men. Sometimes it's pretty close to 50-50, but most of the time it's it's more like 60-40, 65, you know, whatever. It's 
tends to be closer to two-thirds men, let's say. And I'm sorry, but like this is not this is not my opinion. This is my observation. Men are fucking generally awful, especially when they're drunk. For some reason, it brings out just qualities that watching them behave in this. I mean, to say that it's like caveman-esque, I think is sort of like mean to cavemen. You know what I mean? It's, it's this, it's just- Cavemen weren't all that great either too. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure. But we, they ended up being like, like they progressed into us. So there's something go- good going on. Like the, just the base nature primal shittiness that goes on is is bad enough. But then when you mix in weird social ideas and norms and constructs around masculinity in particular, you just see this like craziness that goes on of like the number of times I've had to physically grab a dude and pull him out of a bar because he would not let a woman be after countless times of her or her friends or people around him being like, hey, man, this girl, like, she's not interested. And she's being polite out of some uh, defense mechanism to try and protect herself from getting whatevered. And you refuse to listen to that. Right. It's like someone gets a drink thrown in their eye and goes, oh, she's just playing hard to get. Like, (laughs) Right. I mean, it's so much worse when people are, are drunk, too, because those, like... The ability to sort of like, I don't know, critically assess the 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 nuances no, I've, in, I've, in behavior. Yeah, I've, I've talked about that really Ooh. gets under my skin in a scary way of the inability to like even say, hey, hey, I'm communicating with you right now. Do you understand me? <laughs> right, Do you right. understand when I say you can't go in there, you have to go here? Like, right. It, it, and they're just... They're just anywhere but there. It's or, just that fi- or they're finding active finding actively finding ways to ignore what you're saying. Well, it's alcohol. It's it's interesting because it's like, I mean, I remember a friend told me once, and he's like, "No, I'm not really drinking anymore. I don't like how it makes me mean," which maybe elucidates some of what you're saying there. Yeah, I mean, um, some, for some people, yeah, they really turn mean. It's, but you look sucks. at. I mean, I like to think when, because I do it, I I drink so little, especially these days, but you think there's some saying about like, oh, it, it, it grounds you that little bit or, you know, can kind of like mellow you out, maybe not abuse so much. Mm -hmm. Right. But then what that does, I don't know, this is just where my mind was going when you're talking earlier about how like specifically in the the bar setting, but it almost, uh, that grounding it, it it puts it reinforce it puts us more grounded in, for lack of a better term, uh, like the current matrix of reality, if you will, right? So like that can be we're just sitting here, two buds at a bar having a drink, yeah, Let's make a little moment out of it, get a little, you know, just get a little funny, but more grounded in the reality of we're two connecting right now, sure. But talking about how there's it's the norm for you know so much 
messed up stuff to be normalized as okay. That's can also be something you're grounded in. If that's yeah. your belief, if I'm in the spot right now where I'm allowed to be a jerk to women because it's right. a bar, then that's where they're going to be you more see that, put in. But exactly what you're describing. The goal ha- we've been we've been told that the bar is the space where a dude can go get laid. Mm. Right? Like that that is pervasive pervasive uh permeating even through I, that i really don't spaces, like even right? that term getting laid exactly kind of- but that's my that, that's sort of my point is that those ideas have been pushed i mean that pushed in so many different realms media whatever um so i'm curious about this jennifer lawrence movie that's coming out that feels like some spin on that trope of Which, speaking like, of mother keeps coming to mind when talking about this movie. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So drunkenness, men at a bar, where were you so going what, for this? Where movie? I'm going with this is that in this movie, the behavior, the, the toxic masculine behavior that is being depicted over and over again, I've seen just infinite numbers of times in bars, mm-hmm. right? And so to say that it's an exaggeration or it's not realistic or or like whatever, to dismiss that as truth in any way, I can firmly say I've seen it over the last 20 years in those spaces and outside of those spaces. It's not exclusive to that. I think that just is a, like a magnified microcosm of this thing that exists in our culture and in our, I don't know, our uh, the gender binary that exists and, and like how masculinity and toxic masculinity in particular has really like, we're now more aware of it, I think, than we ever were, right? Like I think about things that my friends and I, like our attitudes toward the world when we were in high school were so primitive and stupid and misogynistic, inadvertently misogynistic. That we didn't know the what the fuck we were talking about. Reality bubble. Right. And we've, Hopefully, most of us have learned and grown out of that. But, like, I'm sorry. It's all over the place, and people aren't growing out of it, and that sucks. And so this movie, for me, is a really good example and a, again, magnified and heightened example of what that's like for women to experience. And, I mean, I feel like that's the allegorical side of it. It's like, as a dude watching this, I'm kind of like, oh, good reminder of how fucking gross this type of behavior is and if you're ever accidentally tipping into it for whatever reason don't like check yourself for a second like step back remember how gross it can and is uh i've been called an optimist even though i don't think of it that way i think of it as i'm being a realist but uh sorry i don't mean to mince your words but you said um you said uh we are not coming out of it or people are not coming out of it some people aren't i like to think we are uh, haven't fully come out of it yet totally totally Th- yeah it's probably what you meant but yeah, just, I mean, just to be a little I, like i would love to think that we are i think we are progressing always to a certain degree it, that's but what i think art largely helps us do yeah, by, there's this push pull you know like yeah. you you make a little bit of headway and then like you get movements like i mean the fact that there's a group can that like this formed out of the last whatever 15 20 years or something like that uh the the incel 
group or or community as as they <laughs> apparently like to be called. The idea of that is just so wild. And so you what I think happens is you get movements that push us forward and then you get kind of pendulum backlash, but it's never pulling us back to the starting point. I think it's it's sort of this you what, know, I think progressive that, movement forward the, with like right, that, one step forward or two steps forward, one step back. That it's that pendulum nature. I think illustrates that facts, logic aside, um, trends aside, all that. That until we have a world where it feels like everyone is truly taken care of, people will always play victim. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean, just take the idea of involuntary, like incel, involuntarily celibate, right? Like, you—that's not a—that's not a choice. It's not like some like a badge of honor or something that you should be like, yay. Like, it's involuntary. You, you, it, it changes when it changes because of circumstance. But to to collectively find other people who are feeling victimized. And then to build a community out of that victimization then makes that a badge of honor. But like the whole point of the feeling victimized is because you felt different. You felt like you were outside of what other people were getting. And so once then you – what if you then get to have sex – you're no longer a part of the group and you get ostracized from the group. Like it's so like twisted. I, I can't speak to uh, what those people actually, it's weird to say believe. I didn't but know that's it was my a point whole. is that it has become a thing where people have latched onto these ideas and now being like, you know what, let's form an ideology around that. Women are bad. They're against us. We're the victims of, of all this stuff. And it's like, or you just haven't, A, grown into a place where a woman wants to sleep with you as a mature human being. Uh, or, or it just hasn't happened yet. No, don't worry about it, man. Like, it's not, it's not an identity. Keep working out, bro. Working out. Just be nice. I, <laughs> but this is why I say, I don't know. This is why I put what I was saying as far as like, as long as we have a world where like it's built on like survival of the fittest or whatever, our base needs mm. are not taken care of. That's why I'm reticent. I don't, I, I can think people are stupid or are not seeing the whole picture, but I can't like blame or like, I don't, I don't see the way out of it is to like, you know, call someone stupid yeah, I don't so either. I, I don't either. I, I think I I get frustrated because I I when people are are like actively um like twisting the reality of things to serve their feelings of victimization. Right. That's when I get annoyed. Wait, I didn't even I didn't even pick up on the idea of like incel culture in this film. I know it's called men and about that. So how did we get here? What so, were you saying? Okay. So here's my connection to it, okay. right? Like <laughs> two, it's sort of twofold. One is just the behavior. So the behavior in and of itself, uh, the perfect example, I think in the movie is the vicar scene to have a person who is supposed to be the one, the advisor role, 
right? Like somebody that we're supposed to feel safe around, we're supposed to look up to, we're supposed to take their advice, you know, as something valid or worthwhile. It's chapstick. Ah. <laughs> it's chapstick. <laughs> to have that person do the thing that we see on the internet all the time. I mean, my friends were just talking about this yesterday. A dude DM'd a friend of mine on Instagram, I assume, saying like, you're hot, like show me your boobs, send me a pic, like all this stuff. And she was like, this is, you know, a little off the reservation, so to speak. Like it's a little too much. Um, but she was amused by how crazy it was. She, she's like, what's your deal? And he was like, you know, send me your Venmo and I'll, I'll, I'll give you some money if you send me naked pictures. And so right off the bat where, you know, she's just being reduced to an object, right? Like a, an object to be consumed for his sexual desires. Um, I don't even think there's anything inherently wrong with, with that as long as there's a consent, you know, aspect to it. But. When she said no, he immediately turned around and started insulting her, saying that she was ugly, saying this and that. And I've seen people talk about this constantly. Like the weird this, little teenager man in this one. Right. You don't want to play with me, you're a stupid bitch. Yeah. Exactly. And the vicar does it right after that in a, in a slightly more nuanced way, but a, I think more poignant way, that he's using his position of power to assert an opinion and to like physically invade her space like putting his arm or his hand on her knee is weird i'm glad how the trailer highlighted that right yeah and then when she says dude i'm not cool with that he immediately blames her and he says, well, have you thought about your role in your husband's death? Like, have you taken responsibility for it? Or I forget exactly how he puts it. But immediately blaming her. Which is set up, too, with, I mean, the very the conflict with the husband, I mean, in itself. Exactly. Saying, if you leave me, I will commit suicide. Like, yeah. that's so, so horrible. And she's like, is that a threat? Someone? And he's like, no, like, that will be on you. It'll be your fault. Just the mind going there it's but like that's that's my point is that that way of framing things has been adopted by these groups of people who believe that they are the victims of society somehow right and it's like it's pretty wild to say that you're the victim of society when we live in such a patriarchal misogynistic society in the first place and to be like you know I'm an incel and like the world hates me. It's like, okay, no, I mean, take it easy for a second. Right. Like, like step back from that. It's not about that. It's about how you behave in the world. I'm just always afraid. Like, I just, I feel with any, any group of people, I, it's, it's, I feel like it's dangerous to without their leader, which apparently like if it's a group. Did you hear about their leader? They, <laughs> that's true. He got laid. Oh, so what does that change? I don't know. I don't think he's their leader anymore. He had to write an apology. <laughs> um, or like a bye, everybody. Okay. So well, th see, I know see, we're that, off the rails, th but. That's, that's what I'm saying. It's just like, <laughs> I don't like to get caught up in the mode of like, 
being yeah upset with someone who isn't here if that makes sense that's fine like, i guess sure but i'm like i'm I, trying what to, are they actually saying i'm trying or to shine a light on a bigger thing that this movie i think gets to which yeah. is showing us the behavioral ways that we see men misbehaving and we can agree that that way of i think we can agree that that way of acting is messed up and shouldn't be how you treat anyone i gendered or not yes. i don't care but in this particular case the movie is through the eyes of a woman and we get to see that experience and how messed up those behaviors are through the lens of a, of a woman's perspective this film for me, it definitely, uh, keeping it the positive word in this section, it definitely depicted those things in sometimes interesting and amusing ways. <laughs> and for me, I think it's doing it in ways that really, really land for me in an exciting way. Like, I was thrilled by all of them. And because, I mean, it made me like, ah, like, oh my, in, in the way that I want a horror film too. It's the same, in a weird way, it's the same feeling I get in like a slasher when somebody, you know, takes a turn down the, the alley and you're like, definitely don't do that. Like, don't do that. That's awful. I'm feeling the same way where I'm seeing the, the men behave in this particular way. I'm like, don't do that. Like, don't behave that way. It's the worst. Yeah. So I like that. That's, it's getting me, you know, wound up in a good yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I... What worked for me. <laughs> uh, I liked the final line of the film. That was a, the the hand and this final line of the film where it was like, okay, that gave me something to chew on I liked, which was um, maybe it's not his exact words, but something with the husband, whoever, saying, um, bringing up the idea of she asks him or ideas brought up what is it that he wants from her oh right and he goes i just want your love said something like that more or less yeah that this is the toxic version of these things like whatever like i feel like the term toxic masculinity is now has sort of lost some meaning but really think about it for a second right like the toxic nature of it, the reason we say that is because it is perverting an actually positive, potentially positive thing, right? It's toxifying, toxifying love. And it's being used as a manipulation tool. I mean, it's weaponizing it rather, I mean, more than anything, it's fucking weaponizing like things that are meant to be special and good and mm -hmm. positive and that's really scary and we see it in i mean we see it in all realms currently mm -hmm. and that's super frightening mm -hmm. i mean there's a thing have you heard about this this idea of weaponized incompetence so there's a behavior that like people have started to exhibit and sorry men but mostly it's in men of because they don't want to do a thing, they'll, when they're pressed to do it, they'll do it super badly so that they're considered too incompetent to ever do it mm -hmm. and then won't be asked again. Mm -hmm. So the example that you see a lot is like, 
a wife says, hey, can you do the dishes? And the husband doesn't want to do the dishes because he thinks that chores are for the women to do. And so he just throws all of the dishes like willy-nilly in a stack into the dishwasher and runs it that way. And of course, it doesn't work because it's a nightmare. It's interesting. There's the opposite of that too, where someone asks something to do something, they mess it up genuinely on the first try. So then forever they are bad at, bad at that. Sure, that's that's gnarly too. <laughs> but this is more... This is active and that's, and hence weaponized in that sense. Like it's, you choose to do it that way. Yeah. Right? Like it's not an accident. You said, fuck this. I don't want to do this. So I'm going to find a manipulative, manipulative way to do it badly so that I don't get asked again. Mm -hmm. That's weaponizing it. And that's truly, truly messed up. Mm-hmm. And you see it in politics and you see it like not weaponizing competence per se, but you see weaponizing the, the sort of behavior of weaponizing things all over the place now, which is scary. Like, can we just be nice to each other? Wait, so that's, I want your love. I want your love to say that after all of these things that have gone on is, I, um... is really messed up. I'd be curious just to get your uh, your bounce and opinion and perspective and and grounding from this and trying to be like introspective, but as well as like how does this translate to that more like obviously toxic masculinity uh, manifestation? Where like you know looking back in my life, which I like to think I got over my twenties, um, but was pretty bad about was if I was interested in someone, I would just feel like insane jealousy if they like had a boyfriend or with someone else. You can't really like, that's just a a feeling, you know, you Mm -hmm. have at the time you can't control. But like, I think through going through that in like the worst possible way, I was able to then just, you just sort of, you just sort of only have one direction to go and like, okay, well, what, what is actually, you know, what's the situation here actually? And then now I'm just like, I really don't feel like I have a jealous bone in my body. Now I'll be like, you know, like I'm just not, I don't know. I like grounded myself somewhere else. And then you, you come from there, you know, and what actually makes sense as like yeah. a new reality. That's not just emotional based. Um, but I realized a lot of where that like intense feeling came from, there's almost like a, a discon, I don't know. And this is just where I'm, I'm curious if this can tie, tie to that kind of, uh, manifestation toxic masculinity you're talking about where it's like when you aren't expressing who you really are or like because like in, in those jealous situations it wouldn't it would be like i just could be i just don't know how to be around this person I, i'm just horrible and da 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 there was still like no I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to embrace whatever really would be socially acceptable of like, oh, I just think you're you're great. No, it's great. You, you, you be happy, you be with him, and I just think the world of you, mm-hmm. you know, as if it'd be even wrong to say, I think the world of you or something. But as soon as I was able to kind of step into like, I don't know, a way to also not totally deny, like, okay, if I feel this way, that's fine, and just be like, oh, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Like then I think that helped me sort of get out of that unhealthy habit or whatever. So I just, I don't know. I'm trying to look at this lens of like, the, the maybe the men or manifest as more like outwardly, like you're a stupid bitch or whatever. It's like, is that, is there an element of that at all to it? Of like, 
who are they really? Which I want to say maybe that's sort of why they always say like you go into vulnerability to sort of right. then that's exactly where they at. Yeah, I you know without being a psychologist or psychiatrist or whatever, but my my kind of takeaway and based on trying to learn about that stuff in in particular in relationships for myself. I read a book called Attachment that there's a there's like one page that completely blew my mind where I was like, "Oh, that's what's going that's what's always been going on." And so I think I can tie this to what you're saying. So in this book, they basically say that the like what we've been kind of collectively as society been told through mostly through media told what love is is not really what love is. Well, many it's, cultures have many different words for it. Totally. But the feeling that gets depicted the most is this like, oh my God, I like I'm in love because mm-hmm. it's this amazing thing and I don't know what to do and I'm going I'm crazy and like it's making me feel all these things that I've never felt before. That's not actually love. That's your nervous system being in an activated state, right? And what you're describing at, over the years, and I remember this as a kid and, and, and young adult as well, a lot, of finding myself in this state thinking that that was love and realizing now, oh, no, I was just like, I was just like flooded with this sort of what's, like. Wait, what's your definition of love? My definition of it? What if it's safety. Okay. Like feeling safe and and comfortable and not activated. I feel like uh, knowing you, that is what you that is exactly what you would say. <laughs> right. That, so like so worth. the activated state, however that affects you, but your nervous system being like wound up, like meaning specifically your sort of fight or flight, um, that's what we experience, I think, most of the time, like in these moments that you're describing. And so to me, it makes sense that when somebody's in that state already, like you approach somebody and you want to say whatever you want to say and you do, and then you get denied, you get rejected or whatever, you've made yourself not only, you've put yourself in a position, well, you, you are in an activated state already and then you've decided to do a thing that is vulnerable. And when that gets rejected, it's the fight component of your nervous system can kick in. And so I think that's the correlation of when we see men or anybody having this like really mm. toxic reaction where they they're coming in seemingly in an, in a positive like you know, hopeful way. Like they want a response that's positive. And when they don't get it, their it, their knee-jerk reaction to putting themselves in this vulnerable place is to fight back and be like, fuck you. Because they're already in that activated fight or flight state to begin with. That or vulnerability. And of course, the, it's gonna, the, yeah. I think it's all the combination of that. Well, no, no, and, meaning like their two options are be, they could be more vulnerable rather than calling her a stupid bitch. But since they don't, they just call that's her right. Stupid. That's right. Yeah. Because that vulnerability, like they, they failed right in their mind. They're like, I, I did this. Like I opened my chest up 
and you, instead of you, you know, whatever, I don't know what a good analogy would be, but instead of you helping protect that, you zapped it. Uh, so you close it and you go, fuck you for zapping it. I wish you've seen Succession. It's really good. It's true. It is really good, as everyone says. And the characters get into this stuff. Um, yes, yes. Uh, oh, I think that's what's happening all the time. I uh, And you growing and learning that you can just be is you being able to uh, lessen the activated state going in in the first place. It's It was actually exciting, too. I haven't brought up the Enneagram in a while. So oh, yeah. Big fan My of favorite. <laughs> my, I don't know what I am anymore, but you told me once. My type, they all have their, like, virtues. Like, what is their kind of almost superpower human trait when mm-hmm. they're at their best? I was excited to connect the dots when I was feeling in a better place that mine... Uh, and I, you'll see why I put it together is unattachment. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That's why like if it can manifest in like really weird, interesting ways where it's like, if you mouth me something that should be totally obvious, I'll be like, wait, what? You just said like a pink elephant plays the keyboard, like, you know, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Um, rather like, no, I said, hand me the pen. Oh, like it should be obvious. I'm holding a pen yeah, 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 and you're yeah. trying to write something. Like my brain doesn't do that because it's unattached to right. the normal things. But then once you can, you know, sort that through wherever that was unhealthy, then it's like, I don't, I, I don't, yeah, it's fine. Like whatever. Yeah. Generally it's, I think about this in the in working in bars a lot too, where I had to cultivate this demeanor because you're acting with you're well, you're interacting with so many people that are in various activated states and then also drunk or high or whatever. Like there's a lot going on. You don't know what people are sort of mixing. And so I found that the best way to approach any of those interactions is to be completely neutral and go in with no, like, overt expression. Happy, sad, mad, whatever. I just would be like, hey, what's going on? Like, what is going on? Are you okay? (laughs) Right? And try not to be like anything else. Neutral is neutral can be. Yeah, you don't want to poke the bear. Yeah, and, and hope that that, gets their activated nature to calm down. Uh, yeah. Doesn't always work, but sometimes it works. Um, I was, this is all great, but I'm also very excited today to talk about men in filmmaking. <laughs> men as in the movie men in filmmaking. Sure. Yeah, we and probably. I'll be able to do that a lot more once we're in the next section. Oh, so is okay. there anything else you'd like to say what worked? Oh, man. Not really. I think I've kind of broad stroke covered all of that. I, I really like it though. Like all, all of the above, all the little little details I was really into. Like the weird spore thing that gets released and floats into her mouth. Like oh, it just, it makes me feel good. Right. That's cool stuff. And with that, our next <laughs> section. Uh, what did not work? It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. What did not work? (laughs) So on the note of those spores, uh, it just got me thinking a place to jump off of. 
It was kind of from those spores onward where I sat up more. I thought it mm. got interesting. Uh, I, I agree. Up until that point, though, I was kind of, I was, I was pretty ready to just say I could pass on this. I don't know. I was not into it. So, and I already mentioned up front the, um, just the idea of not being able to plug into the world of it. Um, just for context, maybe get rid of these, uh, get out of the way, these other, these, these negative letterbox reviews here. Oh, great. <laughs> and I was, uh, careful to choose from people who identified as women or non-binary here. So this is one star review from Esther, E-S-T-H-E-R, skips in the beginning. Um, her entire persona comes through implication the idea that we're supposed to side with her because of the sexist microaggressions she's subjected to rather than understanding her as a person, plus an underbaked grief and trauma angle that just comes packaged with this kind of art house horror now. A discourse-ready screenplay that's so desperate to be interpreted that it doesn't even bother giving you anything to chew on in the moment. Yes, we know men are often inconsiderate and don't take women seriously. Is that really all you have to say? I think if you're going to posture as an intellectual artist, then you got to actually put some work in there. There's absolutely nothing to this movie, nothing worthwhile being said. He can't even conjure a compelling image like he did in Annihilation. This is the final boss of A24-ish horror, just a collection of ideas. Its target audience already believes delivered at an interminable pace and full of tediously symbolic visuals. That's very harsh, I think. I think that's completely absurd. But it's starting to get at something I was feeling, which was I, I, I'm not feeling anything to chew on when I'm watching this. I'm not feeling any, I don't know, except for those examples I mentioned with the hand and whatnot. It was just like, oh man, that didn't seem like a lot going on. Well, obviously that wasn't my experience. <laughs> right. And so subjectively, if you didn't feel that way, that's fine. But that is to to then condemn the artist in that like intensive a way, saying that there's nothing there. There's nothing there maybe for you, the viewer. Like you weren't responding to it, but like I was, and I could go on as I just did on and on I, about the things that were there. As I started reading that, I almost regret I started because that is definitely the sort of like most like harshest hot take kind totally. of someone venting one out of them. So I kind of wanted to just, that's yeah, yeah. out of the way, something a little more ca yeah. caref careful or hopefully nuanced. Uh, so this one is kind of the same point, but just less harsh, I think. Concept, this is user Jamie Rebinall. Conceptually, it seems like Alex Garland was just laying out so many of his own ideas for a great body horror film here, but perhaps the manner in which its own message seems spelled out from the get-go only makes for an undercooked experiment above all else. It seems to spend much of its time throwing seemingly visually arresting imagery every other moment or so, but there's never a cohesive feeling that they're adding up to anything that seems substantial at that. By a certain point, it just feels like beating down on a dead horse, perhaps trying to mask that by making it all look so bizarre." That started to get at a little what I was feeling too, where another A24 film that just didn't click for me in the end was um, Little Sheep Movie, uh, Lamb. <laughs> Did you see Lamb? Little Sheep Movie. No, I haven't watched it yet. It felt like that where as soon as it got to like the interesting thing, it turned out that that was the like the end of the movie. Okay. So where you said in a way that 
It's cool. I, I, I liked hearing you describe it as a fable where when you put it that way and you say, and then it just ends, it almost is like it's done its job. It's ended. But for me, I was definitely like kind of not engaged with it, thinking there was much to chew on or be entertained by until the spore blow happened and things got weird. That's I just wish that that was more almost like get to that point way sooner. And I mean, when I actually think about what's going on, this is why I said I almost wish I was on mushrooms. It's like that should be like so huge and crazy, that ending. Maybe it's weird expectations, but for some reason it just felt like, all right, now the movie's started. And as soon as hmm. it did, it ended. That was my feeling I had while watching it. Um uh, the, the one the one uh, other the, the one man's little review in here because it was a, a friend of the show a listener oh, cool. of the show who okay. I saw changed his initial two star rating down to a one star rating and he's I'd be almost interested to touch on this out whether now or things of note but we saw Bo is afraid together mm. and he like walked out of that just being like I have to sort out for myself if, how like misogynistic that movie was and that's, you know, triggered all these things in me of like the ideas of someone. And maybe I'll get into this. I have some things of this for, for well, I guess this section too. But like you, you put in the deepest, darkest selves of yourself into a movie does not make a movie. And those happen to be maybe like traits or things that could be misogynistic. That in itself is, I don't see as misogynistic, racist, whatever it would be. That's a, that's an airing of your, the most horrible parts of humanity that you're acknowledging in yourself and putting to your art and therefore thereby in the end, actually helping us collectively and individually process them yes. and move on from them. Yeah. Uh, so, so my friend here said, but I really like that what he said here. The, 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 on men, we are on the same page. Okay. He said, its thesis doesn't go very far beyond male self-flagellation, often to the detriment of its central character, who is barely there to do more than react and respond to what's happening around her. And then last, I'll actually Wait, get... can I just say something? <laughs> to, yes, if he's watching, if you want to look at the camera. <laughs> well, there's a sort of a... a, a a thread that keeps being brought up that this that the central character is two dimensional and i just i just fundamentally disagree like just because a character is i mean i think this is a this is a weird movie to lay that criticism at the feet of because the movie is not literal it's not literally what's happening this is an a exercise in the experience this character is having. These dudes don't exist in real life, right? Like, meaning the actions that are happening in this movie are not actually happening. Mm -hmm. It's not. It's not reality. It's it's interesting. Like, this is one of those examples where it's. I want to go back to our Evil Dead Rise discussion. Where, like, I didn't read the beginning of that one. The, the woman who seemed like really upset mm -hmm. at this, um, but she sort of started off her review more getting into. I didn't read it about um, his entire conception of womanhood. Alex Garland is about just you know he's only de can depict female characters in terms of trauma, kind of thing. You know, women care women in terms of trauma, and. Um, have you met women? <laughs> yes, and humans, everyone. Um, but uh, where I always go to the Evil Dead Rise, it's almost, it's the, I wonder if it's the case where it's like, because you have 
the backstory, as connected as it can be thematically, Mm -hmm. is it almost like putting the weight on there in a way that then just is drawing our attention to in a way we feel like we have to read versus if it's just a woman showing up at this countryside home without that story put into it, it would actually sort of allow, I don't know, kind of kind of the best of all worlds. The, mo- the, the story of the movie is somebody going away to deal with their grief and guilt. Yeah. That's the story. Right, right. So <laughs> if you want to watch a movie... That's not about women dealing with their trauma. Don't watch this movie. That's the thesis of the movie. Yes, yes. I agree. Right? So I think it's also reductive to say that she doesn't do anything. She's doing things constantly. Constantly. For example, in nuanced ways, so it maybe, maybe doesn't feel as actionable as maybe in other depictions, but- the uh, the homeowner asks her if she plays piano. She says no. She does. She does play piano. That's an actionable thing. She makes a choice in that moment to to lie about something for her own safety protection. Right. Um, in the moment, her, she's protecting her privacy. Right. Those, those are the, the movie is full of those things. No, and I, so I just disagree (laughs) fundamentally that she's not doing things. What does she need to be like, I don't know what, what do you, what's the alternative? What I wonder what, what I wonder, what I wonder is actually going on. And I use that again as the reference evil to rise, or you think of like, um, I think some great examples of film, great films that are examples of, men making films about women protagonists that are great carnival of souls that are about the oppressive uh male-dominated world uh carnival of souls um rosemary's baby right where it's less the fact that it's like about a person with trauma and more about like it's actually something kind of just a screenwritery thing going on of just putting it really like obvious and forward, like what evil dead rise was doing where it's like, you can still have it be about a person who went through this kind Mm -hmm. of trauma without necessarily being so like, you know, just so spot on about like needing that really specific instance. But I, I think it, 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 I like the specific specificity of the situation in here, I think works for it. But I just wonder if like sort of having it be a specific thing at all makes some people just kind of feel like it reduces something that should be, you know, the most important thing in the world to something that's a little too discussable in a way, if that makes sense. Sort of. I mean... And I, this is weird. I'm not even sharing my feelings. That I'm just trying to understand. No, I, I... Yeah, I am too. I mean... I think it's just weirdly ironic that we spent the last hundred years of filmmaking depicting women in the most reductive, two-dimensional, like, lame way. And now when we start telling stories about that that's a little more layered in depth and, like, seeking to at least expand on the experiences of women in an artistic way – 
we're still getting told that it's two-dimensional. Right. So huh? just to try to now put it back on filmmaking and more of what I feel and thought <laughs> about it, like Carnival of Souls, Rosemary's Baby, I feel like those were great examples of just sort of, you know, uh, art as empathy in action. Oh, I'm to whatever extent I can getting these gross feelings of like mm -hmm. feeling the women's experience in the world. That just was not, I don't know. I just didn't, I just, it's the same way like in this movie, like when she's playing the beautiful piano piece and it's showing like pretty B-roll of leaves and nature, I feel like I should be kind of looking at it with a sort of like awe and beauty. And I go like, oh, that's pretty, but it's not like, it's not like just wherever like there's that Terrence Malick magic where like not everyone can just take a camera and do like that. And all of a sudden it's like there's depth there. It just doesn't have that that something there for me. Um and then another way, maybe that's manifest. Last, last other person's <laughs> review I'm going to reference, but a uh, <laughs> YouTuber I liked, um, Deep Focus Lens, her review, she, and I liked her because she was really trying to put it as like, not ragging on, but saying like, I think Alex Garland's really, really talented. This is what didn't work for me about this film. And I hope to see the next film really works for me because he's so talented. Uh, I latched onto, she described the film as too careful, and for me, I think that's what I was feeling when I thought like single word title films, they really have to deliver on like weight and depth of an idea. Like this is the movie about men, you know, right in that way. And then I don't know, I just felt like kind of like when I've talked about Mike Flanagan is another filmmaker I can throw into this mix who's pretty hit or miss for me and he stated he does not like isn't even open to the idea of whatever ghost might be or how people define it which I think is if you try to define it then right. it, you're thinking those terms and you're way off anyways which sounded like he does where there's like yeah just not like because of that when he shoots a ghost it's not going to be as creepy or there's a certain kind of like there's a level of artifice where I just mm -hmm. can't get past, which this is what happened to me with Arrival too. And that's why I use the, the new hmm. example where it's like, this should be stunning, awe-inspiring imagery, but it just feels like, I don't know. I don't know. Just, just can't get into it. And why too careful I thought was appropriate is because I think a part of that is well, like why there was so much just depth and feeling and bow and afraid to me as you feel like in Ari Aster's films. He like, yeah. it feels like he tears his heart out and just like smashes it and like, like literally smashes it broken all over the place. And you just feel all the ickiness with that there. When I just don't feel that same kind of just sense of like personal giving over um, or maybe... I don't know if I if it's if it's more than a matter of just taste and maybe it's he is doing that and the, his personal demons or something I just don't are, connect with or something like that. But it feels that's that's how it feels to me. It's like it's somehow it's just this it, do, it doesn't go there for me in a way. I think this is an interesting we've arrived at something interesting, at least for me, in that. A lot of what we're talking about and debating in a way is the subjective nature of critique and critique with and maybe without um, a deep knowledge of the craft. Mm 
I mean, every, it is a huge spectrum, right? And so I, what made me think of this is like, okay, if you're not, if you're not responding, I don't know, that's, that's a very ethereal thing. I don't know how to know why or, or what would make you respond to a thing. Um, and I think for every individual, obviously there's a huge spectrum of factors that, that add up to making us respond to a thing. Um, so if you thought of it, like you think about just fine art, why is some fine art considered, oh my God, this is amazing. And like kind of universally thought of as amazing. And then some is seemingly carbon copy of that and not considered good, right? Like so elicit a distinct feeling. Exactly. And so are we able to critically break down why and what adds up to that feeling? It's, yeah. And I think the answer is eh, well, it's why sometimes why it's so tricky <laughs> for me is cuz it's it's there's the filmmaking side of things, and sure, then, which I mean has this, technicality to and, it, and right? It's, and it's this is a this is a spectrum kind of thing, you know. It's not really one or the other; they overlap. But then there's why I always bring back to it's like why I almost uh, you know I said the was the filmmaker I just said uh, the the Terrence Malick, mm-hmm. like Richard Linklater, or just the, when the magic any filmmaker, but when when there's you feel a certain that that way I said what good art elicits a, a strong feeling that we all connect to or a lot of us can connect to. It's like uh, um that that's how I always put it as like the what's the magic of filmmaking. And that's like you if you're holding a camera, you take a picture, like if you are feeling something is there, then that's gonna happen. And maybe like a very and, and like a good DP, I think if they um yeah, my friend Abe described this about complimenting my my regular good friend DP. But he said, "Yeah, you just know like it's it's a muscle instinctual thing mm-hmm. of like where you're holding a camera, where you position a camera. It comes down to like we sense it and feel it by mere fractions of a millimeter on some regard. Right. So right. okay, that's a technical thing of framing. Yet it's also this like instinctual human to human." you know, you know, process on some level. Um, And so I don't know, it's just with with a film like this, I don't know, this is, again, I have no idea if this is true, but just trying to read in if it's anything that's not a personal taste thing. And I'm trying to figure it out if I'm not feeling a certain depth there or something. Um, That's why I say like, yeah, Mike Flanagan doesn't believe in ghosts. So his ghosts aren't going to be as scary versus someone who's like, puts that magic of being open to the possibility mm-hmm. that a ghost is real. But like, um, like the hand thing was so good because as I think, yeah, you were saying it's like, you feel there's like a kind of meaning there in that depiction, that visual, right. whatever, like that was rich with something for me. That's why I said that like first and foremost was great. Um, and I think a filmmaker when, when approaching any kind of, I mean, I guess, yeah, any film, writing it, directing it there. Yes. You want to do it. So it's like sound thematically. It's, it's using conflict in interesting ways just to sort of draw out these ideas and ways we haven't seen before all that jazz. That's what it does. But 
there's also got to be a level of the filmmaker can't necessarily say, oh, this is interesting because of this, because this definitely connects to this. There's mm-hmm. got to be a sense of awe distilled. Like, I don't think Kubrick was like, oh yeah, the, 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 the space child is just this, you know, it's like, right. He's, he had a sense of awe, it feels like, from that very idea. Yeah. It's attached to a feeling. And that's where I just feel like maybe, I don't keep bringing them up, but there's this, yeah, certain filmmakers, or at least for me, I don't feel like they're they're hitting on those things. But I just acknowledge maybe it's, they are, and I'm just not connecting to them. But I, I mean, I think that's my point is, are or aren't is subjective. Mm-hmm. Right, they are or aren't f- for you mm-hmm. through your, you know, perspective, and so like there, I think there is this threshold of universal agreement, and then we get past that, and it's all just conjecture. It's just we're deciding if it means something to us or not, like yeah. subjectively. So I don't know. I, I in a way it pisses me off I think is what I'm getting at is what didn't work is really how people have decided that they need to condemn harshly <laughs> Wait, you're saying- art that doesn't appeal to them it's a little twisting of our section of yeah this. but that's what I've <laughs> what got what didn't work that's is all that I got, people man. didn't like it <laughs> That's it. I don't have anything else to, that didn't work except for me looking at letterbox letterbox reviews and getting annoyed. I make an example of where just the filmmaking wasn't for me. <laughs> Very specific is the uh, the way the phone was glitching out. Very cool idea, but the 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 spooky faces that appeared on it were just a little too oh, yeah. boo haunted house like too obvious. For me, they, it didn't creep me out. Okay, so that's cool. Counterpoint for me, I was like, "Oh, we're not in reality." Um, now it was a clue for me to get into the world that we're going right. to go I, go I, into. I, right. So, so I just was like, "Oh, cool." A phone glitching out in a cool, creepy way would do that. It crossed a line by having those faces for me. Right. But again, I think that's my point: is that like. There's there's a manner of criticism that says you just said it wasn't for you it sort of t- it wasn't working for you right whereas like some of these reviewers are going this is fucking the worst filmmaking ever it was cheesy and terrible and I hated that glitch and it ruined the movie for me and this guy doesn't know what he's doing and it's like whoa that's, <laughs> Whoa. that's a bit strong, don't you think? Right? Like, I, I think that there's this, we've gotten into this realm of like everybody thinks their opinion needs to be the end all, be all, greatest or biggest or baddest or whatever commentary on a thing so that they can what? Get like some likes on it? No, because they're don't trying to ground themselves in a I kind of reality. I would love for that to be true. But I just cynically, I think, with how people present online. Us humans don't like to sit in uncertainty, so that's why it can feel good to vent. Maybe that's my problem. Maybe that's my problem. Like, we have this platform to vent, Mm -hmm. right? And sort of in in a... Which... An attempted... Ironically, venting about what... uh, 
Yes, yes. What was I just? Yeah, you get what I was about to say. I if feeling it's if I was just saying people uh, need to feel certain about like this movie is bad because of this, and I just have to like that's some sort of coping mechanism with yeah. reality itself. Which being I feel like I've totally done. Right. It's, it's it's like reality is a paradox. You got to get down with that. Yet that in itself, to be grounded in the idea of reality is a paradox, which then I do, is that in itself, and there lies the paradox. <laughs> yes. So I'm still doing it too. I know. It's just weird to me. I don't know. I get my feathers ruffled when I feel like people are are like really trying to crucify I just always, and I just can't help but wonder you like creating this amalgam, maybe uh, spear angry uh, men movie hating spirit. That's like this, this like <laughs> you you are them when you're you know yeah you've, you've put all these different people together and it's, it's like true, they don't actually true. exist. But here you, I don't know. Esther's <laughs> Esther's review is pretty intense. You can like, sort over, by yeah, overwhelmingly like. I disagree so much with it that I'm sort of like, what the fuck? I wish he was here kind of thing, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Or maybe it's just a troll. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, man. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I wanted, but it, it wasn't it. I know. I, I've wondered this too, though, like lately. I'm like, why... What is the magic? What is it? And I don't think that you can answer that. But I, I just, I thought about, um, what was it? I was watching something, you know, something like Indiana Jones, like <laughs> the original Indiana Jones. And there are blatant mistakes, like like bad mistakes. Stuff that would just be CG'd out of oblivion. Or, or just stuff that you would just do another take. Yeah. And yet that movie, it doesn't matter. That that stuff's in there, and there's lots of movies like that. That's and I edit for performance and energy, right? And I get hung up on often on the I, it's not really perfectionism, but like glaring mistakes. What, what I consider a glaring mistake, you know, if somebody continuity wise something's off or whatever. And then you watch these movies over the first hundred years of filmmaking, and you're like, wow, they really just rolled with it because because they had to because mm -hmm. they had. A limited amount of film stock and time, and, but we love it, and we and it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's why it's like sometimes when people are like, "Oh, you can't do that." That's like it's it's too big a mistake, and I'm guilt totally guilty of that. I think you have to remind yourself that like if the essence of what you're getting across is is getting across, you're good. Like a little, you know, somebody being out of frame or out of focus or like I don't know. It's not the end of the world, I guess, is what I'm saying. Is this a thing of note? Sure. All right, let's go there. <laughs> Things of note. Things of note! <laughs> this should be interesting. I wonder... Because it is not good or bad or whatever. I, I, it's sort of just a, a, a me trying to figure out this thing. I wonder if what a lot of people currently are responding to is the lack of mistake or the lack of fuzziness in film. 
I mean, fuzzy, I'm making that term up. I don't mean anything literal by that. So, like, this movie is, I would argue, pretty flawless from a technical standpoint, right? Mm -hmm. Like, nothing's out of focus that doesn't need to be. uh, All of the special effects, if you will, or effects, whatever, are perfectly crisp and beautiful. Um. You know, the details, there's no real lacking in the details of anything that was manufactured. I mean, the the, the, the dude gives birth to himself like eight times in a row. And it took like three days for me to be like, oh, yeah, that was like some sort of CGI thing. I could have put that in what did not work. It was obviously CG to me. I know, but in the moment I was, I really kind of was in it and bought it. And so... I think what I'm getting at is ostensibly this is there's no mistakes, there's no cracks, there's no and to err is to be human. Right. So I'm wondering if that's not a part of the distaste or dissatisfaction and feeling that there's a lack of magic in film right now. Yeah, I don't know. But that I, I haven't I I don't think I've ever thought wondered that until now i mean we kind of brought it up with you know talking about right whether it's reagan on how the jurassic worlds look or the marvel movies work but look but what i thought is interesting i didn't realize till now kind of within that you talking about you know watching an indiana jones movie uh thinking the stormtrooper you know that hits its head on the ceiling or whatever that it is somewhat ironically like those powerhouse old you know 70s filmmakers that george lucas i mean there's not the george lucas is there's george lucas um that he uh, just those films were his films though in that in that you know the way that that is true and it's not true you know what i mean um and you can almost get like if you're an artist or filmmakers you can kind of sympathize with that oh I just wanted this to be this and it got it wrong. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm a fool because the stormtrooper, everybody's going to know and they're going to think I'm the worst. Yeah. Or just not even looking at the personal sense. You don't have to look at it in that. Yeah. They will think I'm the worst. You care about the movie so much. Like it's a laughing stock kind of thing. It's right, right. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Yet we're saying that's part of the life and juice of it. So I just think it's interesting. Then you have him feeling those feelings makes the most like, goes in as far as the most clinical, controlled, everything on a green screen, digitally shot direction you can do as this like extreme inverse. It's kind of fascinating. Yeah. (laughs) The difference is brutal. Actually, that's funny you mentioned that. Uh, A guy who's probably, oh, I don't know, he's probably 20, maybe 21, was saying to me the other day, he was like, oh, hey, so my uncle told me I should watch the Star Wars movies. So I started watching them in in order. And I was like, what order? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he started with the prequels. He's going episode one, two, three, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And he's like, man, you know, like they're okay. But then I got to episode four and I was like, whoa, what is this? It looks so bad compared to the la- the first three. And I'm like, oh, no. This is, I was like, y- you've done it wrong. I don't know. You need to watch the, the machete cut or something or whatever. And it's like, no, he just that's how he's going to consume it. And he was just not prepared. He didn't know that there was a 
gap in the timeline of yeah, knew when about they the were productions, made, yeah. Right? So he's walking into episode four thinking it's going to be like those three. All those movies from the 90s, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, oh, my God, it looks so different. It's, like, grainy and, like, <laughs> like yeah, man, it was made in the 70s. So what was my point with that? Just that, like. Men. Yeah, men. I mean, Luke in Return of the Jedi misses a kick. Like, like you can clearly see him miss. Who so, cares? So, so were you said something about the magic? This is a certain slickness to men. That's yeah. I wouldn't say it's it doesn't work for me, but it it makes me start to wonder about what people are responding to mm-hmm. and what makes us feel like we can we're getting in. You know, the thing that you say. I think I feel like you've more than me. I think you say I couldn't quite like Here, well, hone in or or like yeah get into well, the vibe of whatever's going on i'd be curious like because we do have the touchstone of we both loved under the skin so if you can Gritty, also though, i think under the skin ha- is is it's actually straddling those two things so well i mean just my question to you is if you can plug into that film and this film men like, can you distinguish a difference for just how they're doing that? Let's just say I took, a, you know, just a shot and, you know, it's like the opening shot of a film. For some reason, for Under the Skin, I'm just like, whoa, I'm feeling it. Something's happening to me. For men, I'm just like watching it, you know, not as it's not grabbing me or engaging me. Like, is there anything you can tune into since you sort of have a different perspective on since we have that as a sort of touchstone and you feel it with that can you kind of the opening shot of men is him falling through her seeing him fall outside of the window, right but correct? You t- take any shot from any of the films i'm just saying how the movie is coming across like take any shot damn I don't know. Like, how are they do? How are they engaging you? Uh, are they engaging you differently? Like, are they grabbing you? I mean, they are, but I don't know. Well, yes. Okay, yes. One feels like a production, and one feels like an experience. I wouldn't know which one is. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> one feels. Like a very specifically constructed production. The okay. lighting is is talking about men. Yeah. Okay. The lighting is such like it feels purposefully. I mean, it is. It's perfectly purposefully set to this. Uh, whatever yeah. palette or whatever you want to call it, but like. In its construction, I can kind of see them like, oh, okay, well, they they probably put a 12K outside that window and it's blowing in this way and it's, you know, they've they've colored it in this way so or whatever. So a sense of technical artifice, which it's yeah. interesting because I... Or lack thereof, which yeah. I think under the skin has a lack of artifice. Which, but you know, in order to accomplish that, they had totally. extremely technical, you know, S- uh, as approach. with Indiana Jones. Yeah, I mean that's a humongous production, and yet, well, it was interesting. I feel like I'm out there yeah. with them because I didn't want to. 
I think what like what how men was shot and looks like it's just it's not necessarily that because I see how that's working to like the the with the lighting and the coloring to turn it into a modernly made fable. Yeah. You know, it, it it's it has that sheen to it. So it's not I'm, necessarily like that for me. I don't know. Okay. It's but it that that's why it's so ephemeral and weird to try to like distinguish. No, it's I just know. like the person who happens to be directing who's conjured who's assembled all the people and elements to make this image happen is it really it's like a matter of if i can connect with them or not you know yeah i don't i don't know man well i can act I, my, my only other thing i had for things to know i could actually kind of connect it to that not oh, okay. earlier and it's something we already brought up but just to sort of say more specifically i think it's interesting um you know i brought in those examples where you have like men, yeah, men making films about women that you feel, at least again as a man, where I'm, I'm totally plugging it. It feels authentic. Mm-hmm. Women I've known say it's great. They love it for those reasons, whatever. Um, but I think it, it's cool and interesting to look at, like, well, what you know. But depending on your life experience, including what sex you are, obviously does play out sure. somehow. I just think it's cool and interesting to think about how that is and um what we there's two main things like we offer when sort of and maybe horror specifically of ourselves uh we are either putting in our deep darkest you know horrible parts of ourselves Mm -hmm. that we're introspecting shedding lights on and or um how we feel from our what we're afraid of in this world, what is mm-hmm, threatening mm-hmm. to us in the world, which obviously has that overlap. I am afraid and threatened by my own feelings. That's what it, it can right, get right. really, really interesting, of course. So um, it's just cool with, with with films where gender does come up. Um, I really think, like, I'd like to see movies like this made by all genders, I think is really interesting because, like, the man is, you know, in a movie about a man attacking a woman, it can be very, very scary because there's some sort of immediacy reality to, let's mm-hmm. say, uh, that being real from, you know, a man who can tap into that and channel that sure. in some way. Right. And then that's equally, if not more so, ter- it's just different, same, same but different yeah. as far as the depth you can go to of just a perspective of someone who would be more typical to then experience yeah. the male oppressor. We did it. We did it with fresh. I mean, fresh was mm-hmm. written and directed by two different women mm-hmm. and you know, I think that's all cool and interesting. I, yeah. yeah. And I think that movie, t- you know, ah, man, it would be interesting to kind of watch these two, that and this back to back just to see if you could kind of pick out a nuanced perspective of those things like can you can you see the female perspective versus the male perspective by in those two movies i i don't know i think it'd be cool to find out or try um but for me personally the subject matter trumps that and i think i'm responding more to the story and right. the subject matter and, then there and is- those those two movies are stories and subject matter right. that I'm really into. No, because there then there's absolutely because you know I'm very much of the belief that uh, movies are are something 
outside of ourselves that we're like channeling down you know the sculptor just mm-hmm, sees mm-hmm. the thing and they're 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 sculpting you know what they, it's not them they aren't designing it they're just like oh yeah i see and feel this and i'm trying to depict it here yeah yeah like i really connect with that so yeah that's exactly it there's then the idea no it's doesn't even matter who made it it's just this is its own thing this is the story it happens to be made by these people yeah. sure uh so i get contradiction paradoxes all it these is two, because, two different day, ways to read everything yeah i mean i'm totally i would totally advocate for representation in who's making film right Be, but but that's not because there have been films that about those stories that were done poorly it's just because of the nature of the industry uh not allowing certain people to be a part of telling stories oh yeah no so those are two different things and i think they get convoluted all the time was that clear what i just said yes if okay I, good I, well i uh, you, least, can, you can stop there. You said yes. Yes. Filtered through <laughs> how I see it as far as um, there's enough for everyone to make every movie they yeah. want to make technically. And, and people who have not been allowed to make films because of how they identify their gender, their race, whatever, those people should be allowed and brought into the fold of those jobs. That's not to disregard the stories that are similar to what those people would want to be telling now that were already told. Like, I don't think you go, oh, well, let's just throw out all of the movies about women from the past hundred years or so because they were made by men, therefore they're invalidated. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. It's Those two things are separate. Inclusion and depiction are different categories. Mm Mm-hmm. And it'd be awesome to have inclusive uh, filmmakers, people who like include filmmakers that have an even better perspective, not even better or worse, but like a specific perception of the world and have them tell those stories. Yeah, it's funny. It's, it's just thinking inclusivity can also means like you're being too inclusive to, let's say, you know, in this sense, the story male whatever dominated to be like the filmmakers who are like they make they make one movie and all of a sudden they're directing this and it's just because they're like oh they're a man who impressed me you know versus oh my god right sure yeah it does it has gone in that direction like yeah it's like okay i could pick her or him something about him i just trust a little more (laughs) you know that right right. yeah that kind of stuff that yeah that what do you call that it's a it's a version of nepotism or something like that i don't know yeah it's like pay attention to the talent not how they are in a room no, I, if only that were how it operated. But hey, there's it, hip people out there, man. No, I, I know. I want to keep but the system. I is, don't want to. I don't want to reinforce this negative matrix by saying it is that. That is what it is. No, man, it is whatever we want it to be. That's yeah. what we're out here. Be good. Be good. Be good. Yeah. Be kind. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I feel like we've. Me too. We've said a lot of things. Yeah. What about the movie? Once again, I don't even know. <laughs> me neither. I was, you know, I I drank last night, which is not something I do very still often. Drunk. Yeah, I'm still and drunk. Yeah, I'm still drunk. I don't think I was ever really drunk, but I feel very flushed. My cheeks are a little rosier than usual, maybe. 
So maybe the room's just a little warmer than usual. So let's after, wind down. After that fire. Yeah, after the fire. Yeah, rebuilding all that. <laughs> uh, we'll wind down with some recommendations. I can recommend Dead. Uh, this is great. It was, you know, a uh, help, helpful curation from Criterion Collection. They have a new 4K release of, it's called Devil in a Blue Dress, which oh, yeah. I saw you've seen. Yeah. 1995, directed by Carl Franklin. Denzel, like, it's yeah, Denzel. Yeah, checks right? all the boxes. Denzel, like 90s neo-noir yeah. set in 1940s Los Angeles. It's like, like this movie exists. This is so good. And That's cool. The yeah. classic, like him as the, vague, the voiceover vaguely, narration. Uh, it's, I don't it's even so remember good. what the story is. It doesn't matter. It's a it's murder. Like, uh, isn't a is it a like a hard boiled sort of? Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's like any of those movies, like when we watch the Long Goodbye, or my favorite mm. example, um, uh, uh, P.T. Anderson, one of my my favorite films, uh, Inherent Vice, right. makes Which a I whole still point. Have not seen. Yeah, I, the whole point of it is that none of the story matters. It's just yeah. about like they're looking for something. You just got to understand kind of sort of the next thing they're going to. It's yeah. just all about, it's Denzel looking cool, talking to cool people, 1940s, like set, all that. It's just cool. Yeah. What's about, so yeah, someone died and yeah. it's going to be this person <laughs> what, who killed them and right. twist, it was them actually. Oh. Yeah, those stories are, <laughs> I mean, that's like classic Raymond Chandler, right? Like yeah, this, that's the why whole I said the long goodbye. The whole novel is about like the winding path to get to the obvious answer. Yeah. And not about the answer. Who so, gives a shit? Kind of like, you know, reading noir like we do uh, saying to read giallo the same mm, way. Yeah. Like get there for the mood. Yeah, definitely. Well, I feel like because we talked about it so much. That was called Devil in a Blue Dress. Yeah, I want to do that folk tale. Fuck. It's a really long. Woodland critters and no. <laughs> it's something like that. <laughs> a dark folk Christmas. No. Uh, Damn. All, it... all ye haunted, all be ye haunted. <laughs> this is going great. I have to look it up, but I'm on my phone, so whatever. That it's if you if you typed in folk lore, folk horror, folk horror. Yes, it's called it. Yes, a yes, a something, a something, something, it's something, on something. It's on Shutter. It's about folk horror film. If you just put in folk horror film documentary, you'll get there, and then we'll we'll post it somewhere or something. As we do, yeah. There you go. That's mine. <laughs> it's like about the wicker man and stuff like that. The wicker what? The wicker men. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've seen the movie V that it gets into. It's like a Russian. Oh, God. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Tale. That's yeah. right. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for being here. <laughs> really yeah, loved thanks. having you. It was fun. This is this is where we are. Sorry, again, Eliza Dushku for... Uh, We'll, we'll get a new frame for you. You'll or as I yet. like to say, Elijah Dushku. <laughs> yeah. Happy a good 20th anniversary uh, <laughs> to wrong turn. And that should be our in closing. So yeah, again, happy. I just said it. Happy anniversary. <laughs> wrong turn. <laughs> <laughs> Means a lot to us here. Thanks for listening. Yes. And we will see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha!